dealing with the subject of visionary leadership. Uh, visionary leadership is a, a popular phrase that is, is coined to describe uh, the act of being able to see into the future and take people with you on that journey. Now, the Bible is full of examples of uh, fantastic men and women who were able to see what God had planned for, for their followers and, and get people in that direction. And so the one we're going to use tonight is uh, Nehemiah. And uh, I'm going to read a couple of verses in the first chapter to set the stage. And so you'll know that Nehemiah was outside of Israel at the time. He was in a Persian court. And one of his friends came and brought him news of the people of, of Israel. And so pick it up from verse 2. <clears throat> this friend of his is called Hanani. He says, Hanani, one of my brothers came with certain men from Judah. And I asked him concerning the Jews who escaped and who had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. So there's Nehemiah asking two questions. Tell me about what the city looks like, what the buildings look like, what, what, what's the terrain look like, and then tell me about the people, how the people doing. That was his question. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile are in great trouble and shame. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down. And the gates have been destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Verse 11 says, And I was cupbearer to the king. An amazing way to end that chapter. He wasn't king of Israel. He wasn't the prime minister. He was the cupbearer. His job was to test the wine before the king got hold of it so that if it was poisoned, he would die instead of the king. That, that was his job description. He hears the news of his people and his heart is disturbed and he he weeps, and he prays, and he intercedes. At this point, he's not a visionary leader. He's a godly leader. He's not a visionary leader. But quite clearly, he can see what God's plan was and what the reality is. And it, it causes him to pray and to intercede. And so what unfolds in the book of Nehemiah is Nehemiah not being content to stay in the palace not being content just to know the bad news because he knows what future they should be walking in and we're going to see Nehemiah take a journey and take people with him. That's a visionary. So the first thing that you need to be able to do as a visionary is you've got to know where you're going. You've got to know where you're going. And that's going to require uh, what happened with Nehemiah. He, he talked to somebody to, to know alternative futures you're going to have to talk to people. You're going to have to lean on prophetic words. One of the very first things that he does is he begins to pray. And if you read the prayer, he reminds God about what God said to Moses. He says, these prophecies speak about another future. He talks to his men. He discovers the future is not looking right. And so he's talking to people. He's doing his research. He's well-read. He's, he's leaning on prophecy, and then he's going into the throne room of heaven, and he's saying, God, speak to me. Before you can take anybody anywhere, the visionary has to have the vision. He has to see 
has to see what God's, God's wanting. I think it would also include, uh, as you discern where you should be heading, lessons and uh, from the past and pitfalls that you know you, you go as a visionary into the future with your eyes wide open. Let me translate that a bit for you now. Let's just say you're leading a church, you've just planted, COVID hits, people have scurried for cover, they, they now, um, uh, many of them not coming to church, uh, many of them very fearful, and, and you might, like Nehemiah, be in the position where your head is between your knees right now, and you're saying, God, this isn't what you promised, this isn't what you said, look at the people, but if you stay there, you might be a godly leader, but you haven't kicked into visionary mode yet, because that requires you understanding the prophecy and the word, and 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 and, and mix with the Hananis of this world and the other godly men of, and women of this world that can, can help shape your, your view of the future. It's not good enough, though, just to have a view of the future. Uh, you need to be able to break that destination. So now you've got this future, you've got this idea, you're going to go there yourself, you're going to take people with you. That's what a visionary does. He inspires people to go with him. In order to get there, you've got to break down that future into manageable steps, into an action plan. So what does Nehemiah do? He, he, he takes a trip. He organizes with the king. He takes a trip. He hops up onto his horse at night when nobody's watching, and he, and he walks the walls of Jerusalem. I could imagine you have to get off every now and again because of all the rubble, and he assesses the damage. And what's he doing? He's busy working out a strategy. And this is what his strategy is going to entail. He needs resources to come in from outside. He hasn't got them. He needs permission. He needs to be able to protect it while he's building it. In addition to that, he needs to enlist the labor force. And he's got a plan. He's going to ask everyone to build in front of their house. And so, you know, the jeweler's going to do some building. Some dude with his three daughters is going to do some building. The goldsmith's going to do some building. Everybody's going to. The, the nobles are going to do some building. That's his plan. So what does he do? He says, look, this is not what, what God had designed for us. This is the future. A glorious city with the glory of God in it and a temple there. And people worshiping God and people living in community and people being an example for the world, being a cradle for the Messiah to come. That's what he was going to build. But to get there, he can't just sit with his head and his knees and say, God, make it happen. He had to put a plan together. And that requires dates and times and personnel and planning and strategizing. You say, well, Grant, I don't know that I've got all that stuff. Well, if, if you haven't got the skill to do that, doesn't mean you can't be a visionary. Get those skills around you. Get the administrators around you. Get the strategists around you. Get those who are highly skilled. You know, other visionaries in the Bible who like built temples and took people out of foreign lands, they secured the skills of skilled generals and craftsmen and goldsmiths. They, so, so gather those guys around and put your action plan together. What's going to happen when you begin to put a plan together, you've got to set that plan constantly against your vision. And, and we use this phrase, you've got to be able to scope. Scoping means, okay, so if I take this course of action, what's likely to happen down the road? Now, that, there's a prophetic element to that. 
There's a, and the Holy Spirit can help you see into the future like that. Also, there's a, an ability to be able to lean on the past and say, if we just extrapolate, that's what's going to happen. So right now, if you just jump out of your prayer closet and you say, okay, we're going to get everybody, insist everybody gets back to church and we're going to be quite rough about it, you're going to lose a whole lot of people. That course of action, you scope that down the road, you, you're going you're to you're really serve out a whole lot of nervous people from your church. So, so you've got to be able to scope what it means. So there was one particular occasion when Sanballat, Tobiah, and a fellow called the Arab pitched up. And they were trying to distract Nehemiah. And they told him, come down off your wall. Stop building. We want to negotiate. We want to talk to you. And he resisted, resisted, resisted. But then there was a moment towards the end of the book where Nehemiah left for a season. And these guys snuck in to the city. And they took over the storehouse where the tithes and the offerings came. And they put their bed in there. Well, when Nehemiah came back, you don't have to scope too long to understand what's going to happen when people stop giving and people stop being joyful in that and people, and, and, and people take the consecrated things of God and use them for themselves. You've got to be able to scope. And that helps you put your action plan together. So it's not just seeing a vision and putting any old plan. It's see your vision, put a plan together, and test that plan by scoping and it's not guessing, it's asking the Holy Spirit to show you where you're headed. Now, what's going to happen is, is as you scope, you're going to come against obstacles. And even as you start executing your op- action plan, you're going to hit obstacles. Now, this is where being a visionary leader is, uh, is so exhilarating. You have in you the creator of the universe. Just think about that. Christ is in you, and it's in him that the whole universe was created. The creative force, the creative energy of the entire cosmos is available to you. When a puny little problem stands up in front of your action plan to get God's people into the vision he has for them, you can trust that he gives you the answer for it. I think God is most glorified when Uh, Satan puts up his obstacles against the church. He's defeated him at Calvary. He's he's absolutely disarmed him. And we are in the mop-up operation. And so when he jumps in illegitimately in front of the purposes of God, you say, God, what's our way through this roadblock? And and I'm telling you, right the way through lockdown, the other side of lockdown, God's has creative solutions. And, and Nehemiah was constantly knocking on these creative solutions. What are you going to do when the armies around threaten to take you out? Well, that's no problem. Take a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other hand. No problem at all. What are you going to do when you've got to now dedicate this building and, and people are, are you know, they're in a bad state. Well, well that's, that's fine. You, you put the band up on the wall. You get them marching on the wall. And then you tell them what godly worship's all about. At the very end of the book, he, he saw um, something, you know, of intermarriage going on with idolatrous people around there. He was so mad. Now, I'm not suggesting you do this course of action. He was so mad. He grabbed the offensive guys and pulled their beards out. Can you imagine that? He said, okay, now there's only one way you're going to see how important this is. He 
plucks their beard out, saying, it's almost like I want to pluck the idolatry out of the nation. When, when the poor people weren't able to participate in what God was doing, he made a plan. He made a plan with food. He made a plan with taxes. He made a plan with speaking for them. Now listen, not only have you got to see the vision, put it in an action plan, scope it, but you've got to say, God, give me the ability to knock down these problems. And again, if you haven't got a solution, bring your friends around and, and together ask for one. But it's one thing having a plan and having thought it through carefully. It's completely another thing to get a whole bunch of people to come and follow you in that plan. And so a visionary has got to be able to inspire people to get there. And I'm going to look at this in, with, um, two, from two sides. Firstly, he's got to be able to paint the picture for people to see, to see the vision. And secondly, he's got to have credibility. If he doesn't have credibility, if all he can do is paint the picture, he's like a dodgy salesman. And I can talk about dodgy salesmen because way back before I was in the ministry, I was a salesman. So you, if all you can do is hype people up and then try, try to paint the picture of a preferred future, but you lack integrity, you're like a dodgy salesman. So it's both. You need to have integrity, we'll talk about that in a moment, and an ability to paint the picture. So how do you paint the picture? Let me look at that for, to start with. Well, firstly, you've got to be positive. If you're not excited about your future, nobody else is going to be, except the true visionary who's maybe sitting in row 13 <laughs> who picks up on your idea. But that's not going to be helpful to anybody. You need to be, you need to be convinced you need to be convinced that God's in the future, that he's called you. If you, if you haven't got that conviction, you're never going to paint a compelling picture. And then you've got to understand this. When you talk to your crowd, you're always going to have people in there that are motivated differently. Now, now, this is not sales techniques. This is not, you know, trying to twist someone's arm. Just the fact of the matter is people are motivated differently. So to motivate them, you've got to speak differently. So I'm going to suggest to you, give three broad categories. There are thinkers, there are feelers, and there are those who are deeply spiritual. And so the deeply spiritual want to know about this journey you're about to take them on. That God's okay with it. That it doesn't contravene the Bible. It'd be really great if there were some prophetic words. And, and that there's a sense that you're journeying with God. Now, what does Nehemiah say as he comes into Israel, as he comes into Judah? This is what he says. He says, look what's happened. God's opened a door for me to come. He's given provisions. The gracious hand of our God is surely with us. Who's he talking to? Those who are spiritual. They want to know God's in this thing. You're saying surely all Christians are spiritual. Yes, but, but some of them... Also, not only want to know that God's in it, it just must feel good. So in other words, they're feelers. Now, there are many uh, Christian exploits, many Christian plans that, that people just don't identify with because they just don't feel it. I think Jesus, when he told a parable, was trying to reach 
the feelers. One day there was a man, and he had two sons. The one son said, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. And he went and he squandered it with prostitutes. And he wound up in a pigsty. And he was sitting there and he said to himself, you know, even the servants of my dad's house are eating better than me. I, can't, I, can't, I had enough of this pig food. And he chanced, he took a chance. He thought, maybe. So he came back to see his dad. There was his dad standing on the balcony. He saw his son a long way off. And he ran. And Jesus said that in an old dignified man running, his beard going, skirt raised, charging. He's about to hug and kiss someone who stinks of pig dung. He kisses him and he loves him. And the son says, Dad, Dad, Dad. He says, stand up, boy. Who, is that like deep, deep doctrine? But it actually is. But it's, he's got your heart, hasn't he? Just, and, and so when Nehemiah says, hey, come on, man. The poor people. What's going on here? These are our brothers. Let's bring our brothers in. When he walks around and he sees the, the perfume maker with his delicate hands, he says, you know what? I'm going to write about you, my boy. I'm going to put you in the book of Nehemiah that's going to go in the Bible for all eternity. For Nehemiah to have written it, he must have encouraged that guy. And so he was able to reach the feelers. He was able to reach the super spiritual. And then there's some guys who, who really glad God is for it. And um, glad, you know, people feeling nice about it, but they really want to know that you thought the thing through. Now, we all, you know, use all those filters, but, but people lean. They're the primarily thinkers. So, so what does Nehemiah have to do? Well, he, he takes a census. You know, have you thought exactly how many people are in Israel now? Are they going to fit in here? He takes a census of the whole of Israel. He organizes where they're going to live. He organizes who's going to build where. He's thought the thing through. And so when he inspires the people, he reaches the thinkers with logic and a carefully planned uh, course of action. He reaches the feelers with his heart, and he can lean on God and the Bible and the prophetic words, and he say, and the gracious hand of our God is with us. And so he's got to be able to paint that picture with enthusiasm and going to reach the people that, that are there. And... And I think that whenever I paint a picture anywhere, I ask myself this question, okay, how are they going to be objecting? How are the people going to object? So the thinkers, what are they going to be saying? Ah, but you didn't think of this. The, the spiritual are going to say, yeah, yes, but Grant, that's a very ropey, very, very ropey prophetic word. And the feelers are saying, oh, I just haven't got it. So I try and put those lenses on, and I look at their objections, and I say, okay, God, give me your heart, just give me the words. You know, in Ecclesiastes, very end of Ecclesiastes, it says this, the good teacher picked the exact words to say. And so if you're going to paint a picture, you've got to ask God to help you paint that picture. And if you're a, a new visionary, practice, man. Envision your wife and then your kids. And when they're sick of the vision, envision your dog. And lastly, envision yourself in the mirror. Why? Because this is God's thing, man. This, this is God's plan. And, and you've got to move people in that direction. Now, what I did say was this. I said, if you're able to do that, paint pictures. If you're able to uh, inspire people and you lack credibility, 
you're just building castles in the air. You need credibility. So, so what am I saying? I'm saying to se- what separates you from a salesman is your character, is your walk with God, is who you are. Not just what you're saying, but who you are. And so these things are important. Number one, if you have a history of talking a big game and never getting anything done, you're going to battle to be a visionary long term. So what you need to do is to get activators around you. When I mean activators, people who can help you walk your vision out. Remember that action plan we talked about? Remember the scoping? Those people need to be with you. You need to have secured their involvement. You've got to envision them first. Because if they are not in place, if you've got a whole bunch of dreamers there, you're going to walk around in circles and talk yourselves in circles. And then you'll lose your credibility. So what helps build your credibility year after year is that you have activators in play and you do what you say you're going to do. When I was a young boy, when TV first came out, there was a little uh, beginning of the cartoons, I suppose, a little pencil man. His name was Simon. And it basically used to say, uh, and you know, my name is Simon, and the things I draw come true. I remember that. I must have been about 10 years old. And little Simon would be like, this little pencil man would just... And I, it's been a little joke with me and my wife. Every time that I'm ready to inspire my wife with something, I draw it. And, and if she... And if she gets it, and she says, okay, I think we're going to pull, she says, and whatever Simon draws, it's a little code language between us. You see, if you've, if, you've got, if you've got activators, and you've got a history of activating, uh, it's, you've got to build your credibility. Secondly, you've got to stick with your plan long enough to let it work. A lot of guys who think they're visionaries jump from one thing to the other, to the other, to the other, and the church gets dizzy behind them. They might have great fun for three months. Now we're going to be at this church. Now we're going to be at that church. Now we're going to change our name. I see it often with young people. Every time a youth leader comes into position, he wants to rebrand the youth group. The kingdom does not advance through rebranding. It advances as God grabs hold of a man, hold of a woman, and leads them on. You've got to let your yes be yes and your no be no. They've got to be able to trust your word. If if we're going to do this, this is what we're going to do. So in other words, don't announce it too soon. What you say is what you want to do. And you've got to deliver on your small promises. Like when we say it starts at 7 o'clock, it doesn't start at 7.02. It starts at 7.00. You can trust our word. We say it ends at 9 o'clock. It doesn't end at 9.03. It'll end at 9 or before. Why? Because you can trust. If, if, if we say we're going to have a meeting, we don't keep canceling them. You deliver on the small promises. Keep your credibility. Ensure your deadlines are met. And if you have to bail, in other words, this wasn't such a good idea after all. Let's hope it's not every time, but if it wasn't a good idea, can I leave you with this thought? You want to lose the battle, not the war. You can lose the skirmish, 
and own up. Take it on the chin. Be authentic. Face it. Don't pretend it didn't happen. And say, well, this is what we've learned from it. And, this is, and put it in perspective. This is a small setback. This is not the war of Christendom. This is not the war of the kingdom. This is a battle. This is a, this is a skirmish. You know, to win a war in any normal battle, in any normal battlefield, you're going you're to lose a couple of skirmishes. And, and so the way you handle those losses builds your credibility. So let me wrap this up, and then I'm going to hand over to Andile in a moment. God, I believe, puts a leadership gift in every single Christian. That might be controversial, but I thoroughly believe that. If you have the king of kings, the governor of governors, the lord of lords residing in you, open your mouth, my friend, and you're going to lead something. Well, first, you've got to lead yourself. You've got to lead your family. You've got to lead non-believers to Christ. God's put that in every single believer, an ability to lead. But I do believe that the position running up front for a season is a grace that God gives church planters. You, you shouldn't try to plant a church if visionary leadership is not something that gets you excited. Seeing the future, putting the plan together to get to the future, dealing with the roadblocks by scoping, and then inspiring people to get there is what it takes to be a leader like Nehemiah. 